0: Seekers of the dark. Thanks again for joining me. We've got a really spooky one today. Well, in my opinion, this one really freaks me out. So I'm gonna jump right in to what we're talking about today. The Exorcist came out December 26, 1973. Now there's been a lot of advances in movies over the time. With the special effects, etc. But the movie The Exorcist really holds its ground. It remains one of the most terrifying and disturbing movies of all times. This movie came from a book, and apparently the author started by wanting to write a non fiction account of an exorcism that happened to a 13 year old boy in 1949 but he had to dramatize the story when it became too difficult to get a specific detail about what happened. The author, William Peter Blatty, was actually asked to change the character to a girl to help protect the identity of the boy. For its time, this movie was more shocking than anything ever shown on the big screen. Audiences waited in lines outside the theater to see this film, One that would go on to become the first horror movie to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture, and Blatty won an Oscar for writing the film screenplay. Interesting fact about the movie is that you would think that the Roman Catholic Church would be opposed to it, but they actually supported it at the time. Basically, it came down to the fact because the Roman ritual of exorcism is still in the New Testament and the director of the movie said that the church officials told him they credited the film for inspiring new applicants to be priests and nuns after the release of the movie. I mean, the priest is the hero in the story. And the bottom line that came of it, you could say, is that sometimes there's things that science and medicine can't fix. Now, not all religious figures were a fan of it. The Cardinal in Boston at the time wanted it banned, and Billy Graham, he's not a Catholic, but he denounced it and said that the devil is in every frame of this film. The director said of this film, quote, I did this film because I believe in the story. This film was made by a believer. The film to me is about the mystery of faith. I know it's voted this and that horror film, but to me, it's about the mystery of faith. After the movie, there was also a big increase in people attending church and people seeking priests thinking they needed an exorcism. Now, This is such a good movie and if you haven't seen it, you must be living under a rock. Again, it was back in 1973 and movies have come a long way since then and what they can do, but this movie is just plain terrifying. And when this movie was made, there was secret little subliminal messages that the director put in it. Let me tell you about a couple of these, and it's brilliant in my opinion. First of all, he used the sound of bees in some early parts, which triggers an innate fear in people. You don't know why you're uncomfortable, but fight or flight is telling you something dangerous is near. Now, the director also put in some industrial sounds in the background of the demon scenes, which also creates a subconscious desire to back away from danger. There's also this spot in the movie where this white face flashes just a fraction of a second during a dream sequence. Now, that face was never meant to be fully detected by the audience. And until it was on VHS and DVD where you can stop and pause the movie, nobody ever really fully noticed it and could could get a good look at it. And when this movie came out, people were actually passing out in the theater and leaving the theater. Um, A lot of people couldn't handle it. It really was intense for the day. And I know, um, like I said, nowadays, it can pale in comparison to some of the other crazy movies. But for its time... This was an incredibly intense movie. Now, I'm not going to say that it's the scariest because of its gore or its effects, things like that. But the reason this movie is so fucking scary is because you're talking about a demon. You're talking about the devil. You're talking about something that got into somebody's body that is pure evil of the devil and has taken you over. And especially looking at the story and seeing that it's just some young innocent kid, that's even scarier because that just means it could happen to anybody. I don't know about you, but when it comes to scary things, I'm much more terrified of demons and the devil than I am of some killer that might be living down the street from me. Maybe you disagree, like I said, but at least the crazy guy living down the street I can lock my doors, first of all, or I can take a gun and shoot him, whereas a demon, you can't just kill him. So, for me, I am much more scared of things that are unseen. And if you believe in God, that means you also believe in the devil. And everything that you see in this movie, those are all things the devil can do to you. Now, obviously, the movie is about an exorcism, and it's based on a true story and that's what makes it so damn scary. Let me tell you a little bit first about exorcism and possession. According to the Church of England, possession does not happen of its own accord. One cannot catch demons like one catches the common cold. One has to be in a vulnerable position or put himself at risk in order to get possessed by demons. The greatest risk comes from inviting a spirit into your body exorcism is the religion or spiritual practice of evicting demons and djinns or other spiritual entities from a person, an area, or anything that is believed to be possessed. Depending on the spiritual belief of the exorcist, this may be done by causing the entity to swear an oath, performing an elaborate ritual, or simply by commanding it to depart in the name of a higher power. The practice is ancient and part of the belief system of many cultures and religions. In Christianity, exorcism is the practice of casting out or getting rid of demons. In Christian practice, the person performing the exorcism, known as an exorcist, is often a member of the Christian church or an individual thought to be graced with special powers or skills. The exorcist may use prayers and religious material such as set formulas, gestures, symbols, icons, amulets, etc. The exorcist often invokes God, Jesus, or several different angels and archangels to intervene with the exorcism. In general, people considered to be possessed are not regarded as evil themselves, nor wholly responsible for their actions, because possession is considered to be unwilling manipulation by a demon resulting in harm to self or others. Therefore, practitioners regard exorcism as more of a cure than a punishment. In Catholic practice, the person performing the exorcism known as an exorcist, is an ordained priest. The exorcist recites prayers according to the rubrics of the rite and, and they may make use of religious materials such as icons, and relics the exorcist invokes god specifically the name of jesus christ as well as members of the church triumphant and the archangel michael to intervene with the exorcism according to catholic understanding several weekly exorcisms over many years are sometimes required to expel a deeply entrenched demon okay so let's talk about the story behind this movie the actual story, where it all began. It begins with a 13-year-old boy from Maryland. His name has always been changed to protect his identity, so in all accounts of this story, the name used is either Roland Doe or Robbie Manheim, typically. Most of the time it's Roland Doe, so that's what I'm going to use today. It's January 1949 in Cottage City, Maryland. Roland is an only child. Classmates and others around him describe him as being hyper or troublesome. Not necessarily a bad kid, but he had problems focusing in school. Now Roland had an aunt who lived in St. Louis, Aunt Tilly. Now Roland and Aunt Tilly are really close. Aunt Tilly is really into spiritualism and trying to talk to spirits. And she gets Roland into doing this as well. And she gets him involved with playing with a Ouija board. So they would use this Ouija board together. The Ouija board or spirit board. I'm sure you guys are familiar with this. It's a flat board. And it has the alphabet across it. It has like yes or no. Um, It's got this little planchette. Like this little triangle looking thing that you put your your fingers on multiple people, put their fingers on it at the same time. You ask it questions, and you ask the spirit world of questions. You are supposedly communicating with spirits through this board. And now the spirits, when they're answering you, they will move the planchette around to answer your questions. Now, I don't know how well any of you know about Ouija boards or spirit boards, but I'll tell you right now, Stay the hell away from those things because this activity right now that Roland and his Aunt Tilly are doing is what is opening things up. This is what is suspected, this activity. Don't even mess with these things. Roland and his Aunt play around with the spirit board and this very well could be what opened up the door for a demon. Now on January fifteenth, 1949, things start happening in their house. Roland's mother starts hearing scratching noises and it seems like it's coming from inside the walls. Roland's dad has an exterminator even come over and check things out thinking that they have rats, but nothing was actually found by the exterminator. As time passed, they felt maybe it was Roland messing around with them and acting up and doing something just to mess with them. But then eventually the mother started to think that the house was haunted Now, it's about 11 days later, on the 26th of January, and Aunt Tilly died. Now, Roland and his mother start hearing other noises, and they're coming from Roland's room. They hear heavy footsteps or marching in his room, and there's banging and noises on the wall. So they're really starting to freak out. Roland's mother even calls out loud and says, Tilly, is that you? If that's you, knock three times and apparently they heard three knocks. So now they are thinking that maybe it's aunt Tilly giving them a visit, but the activity continued. Now they said that furniture started moving, dishes were flying across the room. So if it was aunt Tilly, would she really be acting all destructive like that? At night when Roland would go to bed, his bed would shake and bang against the wall. Now things start to get worse. Now Roland is waking up in the middle of the night and he's thrashing around and he's speaking in a voice that is unlike his. It's like a very harsh, deep, just a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to describe this? It's just a harsh voice. It's not his own voice. So is this another personality, or is this a demon? Years later, people in the neighborhood did note that they heard things coming from that house. The loud noises, the yelling. Everybody was thinking that there was something wrong with this kid. And also in school, his classmates and everybody around him started noticing weird things happening wherever he was. A book would fly off a desk, or papers would fly off the desk, or his desk might shake. The teachers pretty much just told him to knock it off. They thought he was just acting up and playing pranks and messing around, um, being that he was the hyper kid. And, um, but he swore that he wasn't doing any of it. So now he stopped going to school and every single night he is now experiencing horrible nightmares and his bed is thrashing around every night and his parents are really starting to get worried about him. He's waking up, he's thrashing around, he's screaming, he's having horrible nightmares. And it's obvious that he's not doing this himself. And of course, his parents are worried about his physical health as well, wondering if all of this is stemming from something physically going on. So they take him to a doctor to see if there's a solution that can be found. Possession and other physical scientific explanations can look very similar to each other, like epilepsy and seizures. Now, the Catholic Church doesn't just go around doing exorcisms to just anyone. They had to be very careful to make sure that they are truly possessed, that they truly believe that somebody is being possessed and it's not some physical ailment. Because if they just assume it's a possession and they treat it as so, and the physical treatment or the medical treatment is not being administered because of that, then you're causing more harm to the person than good. There's an, um, another famous exorcism case um, that another movie was based on. And the true story behind that is p- actually pretty sad because of all of her mental illnesses that went untreated and because her and her family just truly believed that it was a possession and they went through multiple, multiple, multiple exorcisms and nothing was solved and she actually ended up dying. And the people involved, including the priests, were actually charged in her death. So it's very important to make sure you're, you're not messing with um, or dealing with a medical condition or a mental problem that can be treated otherwise. Now, like I said, Roland's parents take him to a doctor, and they find nothing physically wrong with him. So then they decide to take him to a psychiatrist to have him evaluated. Again, we're talking as 1949, so mental health isn't quite as advanced or developed as, as it is nowadays, but they still evaluate him, and they find nothing wrong with him. No schizophrenia or anything like that. There are records that are found about him and his case, and the psychiatrist just simply says that there's nothing wrong with him, and he's just high strung. So they're finding nothing physically or psychologically wrong with him by any professional. So now they have to start thinking about other possible reasons for what's going on. Now, Roland's parents are Lutheran, and they decide to consult their Lutheran minister. So Reverend Schultz is actually very interested in parapsychology and this is who they um, talk to, and he's wondering if it has something to do with poltergeists or ghosts or something along those lines, something in the paranormal realm. All the movements of the objects, That is what poltergeist means. That's the definition of a poltergeist. A poltergeist is when you see things being thrown or um, moved, shaking. That's all considered poltergeist activity. Now, they come up with the idea that the best way to tell or at least narrow things down to try to figure out what's going on is to see Roland outside the home to see if there's something connected to the home. What I don't understand, though, is they say that, um, you know, they want to make sure it's not just connected to the home, but stuff was going on at his school. Um, Maybe they just didn't believe that. um, But that's something outside of the house, too, that there was there was shit being thrown away, thrown around in his classroom. But back to it. They want to see how he's doing outside the home. So this is what they do. It's February 17th, 1949, and they decide to have Roland go stay over at Reverend Schultz's house. Now, this is one of those situations where the married couple, Reverend Schultz and his wife, they sleep in like the twin beds. You know, like when you watch the old TV shows like I Love Lucy, and they're in the separate beds. Um, This is like the same situation. So that night, um, Reverend Schultz, The wife goes and sleeps in the guest room, and they have Roland sleep in the same room in the other, you know, like the wife's bed, basically. And so as soon as the lights go out, stuff starts happening. Um, Roland's bed starts shaking immediately. Now, Reverend Schultz realizes that this weak little kid isn't capable of taking the bed the way it was moving around and shaking and the way he witnesses it so he gets him out of the bed and he says Why don't you go over to the chair and sleep in the chair so now the chair starts shaking and the chair actually falls over and Roland falls out onto the floor so now the uh, Reverend has Roland sleep on a mattress on the floor now the mattress starts moving and it's moving around the floor and then it slides underneath the bed and it bounces up and down, and he hits his head on the underside of the bed. Now the next day, Roland goes home, and things just escalate from there. Things get worse. Multiple nights in a row, Roland now has scratches, these three scratches that are appearing on his body. And this is kind of the turning point where they realize this isn't some psychological problem or some mental problem. There is something demonic going on here. So the Lutheran minister now does believe that it's something more um, than just mental or even paranormal, like a poltergeist. And he actually tells the family they should consult somebody in the Catholic world. Because this is not really up his alley, basically, is what he's saying. And it's known that the Catholic Church is the one that deals with this kind of stuff. So now the parents reach out to a Catholic priest, Father Albert Hughes of St. James Catholic Church. So they take Roland to see this priest. And the priest states that while Roland was there in his like office, the temperature in the room became suddenly colder and his telephone went sliding across the desk. And these words came out of Roland's mouth that were not his own Um, he said something along the lines of, why are you bothering me, you priest of hell? So this priest is really getting the feeling that there is something demonic going on here. Now, if you're dealing with a demonic spirit, a demonic spirit or the devil himself, he wants nothing more than to completely break you down in every way. They want to break you down and shatter you physically and emotionally and mentally. That is their goal. Now, remember, Roland and his aunt were messing around with the spirit board. Then his aunt dies. So he's very upset. And this is an opportunity for the devil to get his clutches on this boy. He's emotionally broken down right now because his aunt has died. Okay, so the devil is seeing this as an opportunity. And understand the devil is deceptive. And he's going to try to creep in those cracks to get a hold of you if he can and this was that opportunity so now father hughes contacts someone else and he contacts this archbishop and father hughes was feeling very strongly that roland needed help and that he was possessed so the archbishop decided that an exorcism was warranted now we're the in we're at the end of february beginning of march and Father Hughes admitted Roland to a hospital psychiatric ward in Washington, D.C. And he admitted him under a different name. At this facility, Roland is strapped down to a bed. And Father Hughes starts praying over Roland. He starts the process of an exorcism. Now at some point, Roland was able to free one of his hands from the restraints. He grabs a bedspring a wiry bedspring from the bed and attacks Father Hughes with it. Eyewitness accounts say that Roland stabbed Father Hughes with the bedspring and slashed him from the shoulder all the way down to his wrist. And Father Hughes needed 100 stitches from this. So he got him really good and I guess it really messed up Father Hughes quite a bit afterwards. He was said to have a nervous breakdown after that and he withdrew from the assignment. Now, Roland is discharged and he goes home. A few days following his return home, he's getting ready for bed, and now all of a sudden he notices scratch marks on his torso, and it seems to spell out the name Lewis. So the parents see this, and they think it's some kind of sign that they need to take Roland to St. Louis, and they have relatives in St. Louis at this point they don't even know what to do they're just at the end of their rope they will try anything so they uproot everything and trek across the country to St. Louis just hoping for some kind of relief or solution so you know it's probably pretty bad if they uproot their whole family and move like they truly believe something's going on. If they thought that this kid was just messing around or something stupid, prank of some kind was going on, they wouldn't uproot and move their whole family across the United States and move to a different city. So they move in with some relatives um, that happen to be devout ca- uh, Catholics. The town is called Bel Nor. And they're living with Roland's uncle, which is his father's brother. So they're hoping that maybe they got away from whatever it was that was tormenting them. But it wasn't that easy. Whatever it was they were dealing with was not something that could just easily be escaped. This came with him. This was inside Roland. Shit started happening right away. And this was really freaking out their relatives. They're not used to seeing Roland like this. Again, at night, Roland is convulsing around in his bed. His bed is shaking and banging and shit is flying off the shelves. Everyone is absolutely terrified. Now, Roland's cousin was going to St. Louis University at the time, and she approached one of her professors, Father Bishop, and explained to him that she feels that there's something wrong with her cousin and she thinks he needs spiritual help. And that's why she's approaching him and she asks him to come take a look at Roland. So Father Bishop decides to come over and check things out. March 11th, 1949, he comes over to the house. He brings along someone else. Um, This is Father William Bowdern who is a respected priest who has a great reputation and he was known to have a very solid, stern, strong faith. Now, they go into Roland's room when it's time for bed and they observe him and they say prayers over him for a certain amount of time and nothing was actually happening. About an hour went by. So the priest, um, both priests leave And as soon as they leave all hell breaks loose Um, a bottle of holy water that they left on the nightstand next to roland's bed went flying off the table then his bookcase slides across the floor blocking the door so the priests go back to witness this crazy activity and they agree that this could be something demonic so father bowdern isn't exactly well versed with exorcism So he looks to the Roman ritual. This is basically a manual on exorcism, like the rules of how it goes and um, the prayers. Now the basis of an exorcism is mainly all about prayer, the power of prayer, which I personally 100% believe in just FYI. Uh, Prayer is extremely, extremely powerful. It is a powerful thing you might not believe in God but I do and I know prayer is where it's at. If anything is going to get rid of something evil and demonic something that's related to the devil in any way prayer is going to do it and you can look to the Bible and you can see Jesus casting out demonic spirits out of people Um, so he was basically exorcising demons um, in the New Testament so exorcisms go all the way back to Jesus Um, There's something like a hundred or more priests that are deemed exorcists. And like I said, you have to have permission from the Catholic church, not just any priest can perform an exorcism. Um, You know, the Pope himself is actually an exorcist because he's, you know, at the top of the ladder of the Catholic church. So at this point, Father Bowdern has to come up with these kind of markers, signs, proof I guess you could say that there's a demonic possession so that they can move forward in the process of an exorcism. So the types of demonic activity are demonic infestation meaning the presence of evil in something or around something in a house, in an object, etc. There's demonic vexation which is a physical attack from something demonic. For example, the scratches that Roland was getting. That is an example of that. And then there's the mental attacks, which is demonic obsession. And then there's demonic possession, where um, that just means exactly what that means, a possession. Um, The demon has taken over the body and can control that body. So up until this point, Roland has already shown the first three, and what they want is to keep it from getting to that fourth. A priest might do thousands of cases that deal with the first three, but not so many of the actual possession. There's only a handful of those that they might actually do that are considered demonic possessions. Now, Father Bowdern actually contacted another Archbishop about the exorcism of Roland, and he was actually expressing that he did not want to be the priest in charge of the exorcism or perform the exorcism. First of all, he didn't think he was the guy for the job. Um, He didn't think he was experienced enough, so to speak, but he was basically told that he has to do it and he was granted permission to perform the exorcism. So it's March 16th, 1949. Father Bowdern arrives at Roland's home to begin the exorcism, and he brings Father Raymond Bishop and Walter Halloran, who is a seminary student, and they both volunteered to come help. Now, this is a scary situation regardless of who you are, or what kind of priest you are, or how strong your faith is. This is still scary. You're going into battle with the devil, basically. And you're running the risk of something happening to you, running the risk of yourself being possessed. So they're scared, regardless of who you are or what your faith is, they're scared. And they're supposed to keep this a secret, and they do, but Father Bishop does decide to keep a log of everything that's happening. And that's agreed upon among them, that he will keep this diary. And I think they knew that this was gonna be pretty intense and something that they would wanna document. And even if it was just for the fact that it could help future cases. To get ready for the exorcism, there are things they brought along. They brought along holy water, a purple stole to wrap around the priest. And they also brought a crucifix and the manual that I was talking about earlier, the Roman ritual. The prayers that are in the Roman ritual are specific prayers and unique to an exorcism intended to help a person that is possessed. Things that are done during an exorcism are laying hands on the person during prayer, invoking the Holy Spirit, and even breathing on the person's face. During this exorcism, again, there is the documentation that was being done, the diary that they were um, taking notes during this exorcism and according to this documentation, bloody scratches out of nowhere appear on Roland. The diary says that these marks were causing Roland pain. Now the process of what these priests are doing are actually trying to call out the demon. They're doing these things to bring the demon out so that they can battle the demon itself. The exorcism continues and there's a lot of fight back and the demon does not want to reveal who he is or give his name. Now, there's something else that happens that's pretty incredible. The word help appears on Roland as if it was burned into his skin. These manifestations are the devil's way of instilling fear. Nine hours have now passed. Roland now collapses and falls asleep. Now, Father Bowden realizes that they are now dealing with a demonic possession, meaning those types of possessions that we were just talking about. This is the one where the demon takes over the body. We have now moved from the first three to that fourth one being actually possessed. Now, this could be because they have now provoked the demon. Now, this process is definitely going to take more than just the first night of exorcism. Exorcisms in real life are rarely done quick, like what you see in the movies. It's rarely rare that it's just like a one-night thing. Um, in real life, they can go on for months or even years. They have now gone two nights of exorcism. It's now March 18, 1949. And Roland is acting completely normal on this day. They have hopes that maybe the exorcism is working, but that night things change. Roland becomes more aggressive and even bites somebody during the exorcism. Now, at some point, Roland starts acting as if he's going to vomit and is acting as if the demon is getting ready to leave his body and be purged and he asks them to open a window. Roland said all this in a normal voice and then he actually does vomit. And apparently this is something that is common in exorcism. Now the priests leave and they feel like he did possibly just get rid of the demon inside of him with that act. Unfortunately, that was not the case. At two in the morning, something was going on inside Roland he started saying he's coming back he's coming back father Bowdern was called back at 315 in the morning now this this situation where it appears as though the demon has left but really has not might just be a trick by the demon just to get rid of the priests or to gain the upper hand also understand there can be more than one demon possessing a body at a time, and oftentimes the weaker demons will be purged first. At one point during the exorcism, they also witnessed the bed levitating about eight inches off the ground. Moving on to day five. This is March 20th, 1949. Now, Roland's parents also invite a scientist, Frank Bob, to come over and observe the boy. And this guy actually worked on the Manhattan Project. Um, He reportedly saw a lamp levitate. Now, of course, being a scientist, he makes the statement along the lines of electromagnetic fields having something to do with it. And science has not advanced very far. At that time in 1949, that it would completely explain that away. Um, Anyways... Things are continuing to get worse and worse and worse and more aggressive. The priests begin to think that maybe they would have better luck somewhere else. So on March twenty third, 1949, they move him to the rectory at St. Francis Xavier College Church on the campus of St. Louis University. Now this is on campus. And people are beginning to wonder what the hell is going on because in the middle of the night, they see lights on in the rectory and they hear noises and screaming and craziness going on. And of course, so this is drawing some attention. So like I said, Roland is becoming more aggressive now, full of rage. He's now displaying superhuman strength where multiple men are trying to hold him down as Father Bowden is reciting prayers over him. And one time, he breaks free with one of his hands and actually punches Father Halloran in the face. So things are escalating in violence. And remember how he also stabbed uh, Father Hughes with a bedspring at the beginning of this story. Now, when he punched Father Halloran in the face, he actually broke his nose. So when I say he has superhuman strength, remember, this is a young 13-year-old boy who is being held down by three grown men and with such aggression is able to break away and strike one of those men in the face and actually break his nose. So that demon inside of him has given him unnatural strength. He's completely out of control. He's punching, he's slapping, he's kicking. He even punches one of them in the crotch at one time. He's becoming very hard to maintain. So it's apparent that they are not being very successful having him there at the rectory and they decide to move him back to his home on March 26th. Now for the next five days, he seems more subdued and quiet and calm, but of course this is suspicious. It makes them think, is this done now? But don't get your hopes up because this thing took a complete 180 again. So they say now Roland wants to start writing things down. So he has these big pieces of paper and he starts writing. And they're trying to figure out what he's writing and they're trying to interpret it. And they call the priest back over. And apparently it said, I will stay 10 days, but will return after the four days are up. I am the devil himself. So they're really trying to figure out what this means by saying the 10 days and they're wondering does this 10 days represent the exorcism the length of time Um, it's going to be another 10 days they're thinking he's going to be possessed for another 10 days April 1st 1949 we're now on day 17. Roland has now gone through over a dozen exorcisms And at this point, Father Bowden recommends Roland being baptized as a Catholic. The logic behind this is the fact that they were Lutheran. And maybe if he gets baptized as a Catholic, this might help the exorcism process. So they actually plan on doing this. And they get in the car and they start driving to the church. But on the way, Roland starts freaking out and he starts throwing a fit and he actually lunges over the front seat and grabs the steering wheel. He's saying things like, it's not going to work if you're going to try to baptize me. The uncle who was driving has to actually pull over because they're going to get in a wreck and it's dangerous. So they do eventually get him to the church for the baptism and they have to drag him in kicking and screaming during the baptism he just continues his fit of rage he's continuing to kick and scream and fight in every way they're trying to do the baptism ritual which includes holy water and because of his behavior they have to do kind of a short version of it just to get it done now three days have passed after the baptism and father bowdern at this time thinks it might be best for them to return to maryland Father Bowdern is going to go with them and the plan is to find a facility to be able to also care for him physically because this whole process has been taking a toll on his body as well. So Father Bowdern is trying to find some kind of place to have him and someone else to be able to continue the exorcism, but he's out of control. Nobody wants him. So this was pretty much all for nothing, this trip back to Maryland, because nobody wants anything to do with this boy. So they make the decision to go back to St. Louis. So Father Bowdern realizes he needs to continue and he needs to find a place for him to go, and he does. We're now on day 26, and this is on April 10th, which is actually the beginning of Holy Week and Father Bowdern takes him to the psychiatric ward of Alexian Brothers Hospital. Now, this place is actually run by an ancient order of Catholic monks, and they were known for taking extreme cases in, whatever um, that might be, mentally, physically. Um, They're also known for their secrecy, so everything would be kept hush-hush and private. But people throughout the facility started hearing about a special case of someone in the psychiatric ward. One of the Catholic monks that was actually there, he did an interview in 2014 before he died and he talks about what he witnessed. Um, He was dying of cancer and he wanted to tell his story. He talks about the details of everything he saw. At one point, this boy who was obviously possessed by the devil reaches over and grabs the stole that is around the priest's neck. And in case you guys don't know what a stole is, when I say stole, it's like a scarf. So it's like this silk purple scarf, if you need a picture of what I'm talking about. And he says he also witnessed the bed levitating off the floor. He said you could just feel the power of the devil in the room. He said what he witnessed was like nothing else he'd ever seen. Um, You know, the boy was throwing stuff across the room, the bed was levitating, Um, there was just sheer terror in everything that was happening there. Now it was, back to the story, it was a couple of days before Easter and Father Halloran decided to take Roland out of the building and get him some fresh air. So they go off to this retreat area. Now this is an area that's on a bluff over the river and there's these statues along the path. And these statues depict the path of Jesus going to the cross, the day of Jesus's crucifixion. It shows Jesus bearing his cross. Um, It shows Jesus at the tomb. And at the end, Roland, he seems interested in these statues, but as they get to the 14th one, which is where Jesus is placed in the tomb, apparently Roland freaks out he starts running straight for the edge of the cliff and the priest has to run after him and tackle him just so Roland won't run off the cliff. He Roland snaps out of it and he doesn't even remember doing any of that. Now, this whole process is really taking a toll on the priest as well. Father Bowdern loses almost 40 pounds during this month of exorcisms. He's getting like these boils on his body. He's not doing very well physically at all, but even though he's not doing very well, he is still fighting to save Roland. Now we're going into day 32 and this is Holy Saturday, which means it's the day before Easter. Now a monk placed a statue in Roland's room. And the statue was that of St. Michael. St. Michael symbolizes protection from evil. His statues and his paintings that you see show him as someone who is conquering over evil. He is like a warrior. Prayers that were dedicated to St. Michael seemed to be particularly effective on Roland. He seemed to really react in a different way. Now, we're going into the day after Easter. We are officially over one month of when everything started, um, when they started the exorcisms. They're using everything they can, the crucifix, the holy water. Now, there's a crucifix that is around his neck. And Roland starts screaming that it's burning him, but they won't remove it they won't take it off of him. They push a crucifix into his hand and this just freaks him out even more. Apparently, it's common for people during a possession and an exorcism to scream about things burning them. And these symbols, the cross, the crucifix, these, these are the things that burn. Roland has increased in violence. He is flailing around. Things are escalating. Father Bowden is trying to demand the name of the demon. The demon now, speaking through Roland, says something to Father Bowden. The demon speaks. He has to say one word. One little word. I mean one big word. He'll never say it. I am always in him. I may not have much power, but I am in him. He will never say that word. So, there is one word that Roland has to say to get the demon to be released from him, but the demon is taunting and saying he will never say it. According to the diary, at this point, Roland was in full-on seizure, but he seems to finally get some sort of strength to defy the demon inside of him and take over. Now Father Bowden realizes the word that needs to be said is Dominus, which is the Latin word for Lord. This is forcing the demon to recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now suddenly Roland goes into the most extreme seizure-like episode that he has had throughout this whole process. Roland says that he has had some profound vision at this point. He said that he saw himself outside of a cave with an angel with a flaming sword and he believes that angel with the flaming sword was Saint Michael and he utters the word Dominus, which is that word that the demon said that Roland will never say. He continues this seizure like episode of flailing around for several more minutes, but then he just stopped and relaxed, and he said, He's gone. Everything just stopped, and Roland went completely back to normal, and he looked at the priest. And said it's over but of course they're skeptical they don't know whether or not they should believe this is it actually over they've been fooled before father Bowden was especially skeptical so he actually prayed for a sign that it was really truly over and then an extremely loud boom occurred something so loud that people actually thought that the furnace exploded it shook the building priests also noted that a figure of st michael appeared in the church nearby they knew it was finally over now after all this was done roland did stay in st louis for a couple of weeks And then he ended up going back to Maryland. He wrote Father Bowden once telling him that he was feeling good and he was going to school again and he got a new dog. Now, after all this, the Catholic Church actually does not confirm it or deny it. They will not actually make a statement about whether or not this was an actual possession even though there's like 20, 30 witnesses that say that the things that they saw couldn't be explained. Some people dismiss it as mental illness. Father Bowdern didn't really talk much about it in the remainder of his life, but he did say he truly believes that he was dealing with a demonic possession. And let me remind you, he was known as being a very honest, trustworthy man. The reports of this exorcism is actually locked away in the Roman Catholic archives. Roland went on and finished high school. He went on to get married and have kids, and he even supposedly named his first child Michael, after St. Michael. He went to college. He actually worked with NASA. Um, he developed some part that's used on rockets, apparently. He still has never spoke of it, but he obviously went on to have a full happy life. And the fact that he did, in my opinion, shows that mental illness is most likely not the case. If you have such a severe mental illness that you're behaving the way he did, the violence, the rage, the actions, the multiple personalities or schizophrenia or whatever, it doesn't just stop and then you become normal, right? So he passed away in 2020, just recently. Now, as far as his name goes, um, it didn't take much to find what his real name is. I am glad that all those involved did have the respect to keep it a secret. The poor guy was probably, um, the poor guy probably would have been hounded by the media if they would have got a hold of his name. So it's really nice to know that he went on to live a normal, happy life. Um, honestly, if the media did get to him, they probably wouldn't have had much um, to get because um, it it appears that he doesn't really remember anything. He doesn't remember any of the events from his possession. And experts in exorcism say that that's pretty common. Some people remember and they're aware of what's happening and a lot of people don't. Now, this diary, um, which gave a lot of details as to how everything happened um it was actually found in the late 70s there was construction that was being done on the wing of the building where everything ended up happening um there at the end they were tearing apart down or something and the construction crew actually came across the diary and uh they found it in some desk as they were tearing stuff down. Um, Now there is a theory and this is not proven, but there is a theory that because the demon left Roland's body, it must have gone into somebody else's body. So presumably it would have gone into one of the bodies of the priests. And then the theory is that the priest was just locked up somewhere, possessed by a demon, locked away in a room, until the day he died now if you remember in the movie that does actually happen the priest takes the demon into his body and then he kills himself i love this story because good triumphs over evil and it's scary as shit the devil is scary as shit that fucker is capable of doing things that no sick serial killer walking this earth can don't open that door for him don't do it people and for fuck's sake don't play with spirit boards don't be a rolling doe or shall i say ronald hunkler well that's the story guys thanks again for joining me you twisted darkheads. i enjoyed that one like i said that one creeps me out um Stuff scary. I'll sit there and watch movies, Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and all that all day, every day. And I love it because it kind of gives you the chills. But in the end, you know that, you know, those creeps aren't real. But this shit, this is real. This is more real. And so it is scary. In my book, this scares me more to the core than anything else. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know if you've ever heard the real story behind the exorcism, but there you go. And um, just so you know, I am going to be on vacation next week. So I will not be putting out an episode um, this coming uh, one week from now. Um, You won't hear from me again for two weeks. So until then, by the way, good luck sleeping tonight after that. But uh, I will see you guys in two weeks. And until then, you know it. Stay dark, my friends.